Would you please welcome our friend Nate Marielke? Good morning, guys. So good to be here. Um, I can't come here without crying during worship, and obviously Josh can't have me here without crying, too. So we just get around each other and we cry. We really are manly men, though. I mean, Josh likes football, so, you know, you just need to know that. So, um, <laughs> But, no, I think there's just such a tenderness to the Lord here and such a, a sense of his presence and just an openness to what he's doing. And I sense very strongly that hearts are soft to God and to his presence and to his power. And whenever you have a group of people whose hearts are soft towards God, there's, no, there's nothing that's impossible for God to do through them. And I really believe that for you um, every single time that Josh asked me to come and just share as I pray for vertical and I pray for you, the Lord just keeps bringing back that analogy of a tree. And just when I first came here talking about roots going deep and, and the Lord just keeps building on that. And so, so the thing that I feel like I just want to share with you that from the Lord just prophetically is that um, I just want to encourage you with this, that your roots have gone deep. They are going deeper and there's a structure being formed to support the fruit. So when a tree um, when a tree gets larger, the trunk has to grow and the branches have to st uh, strengthen so that it can support fruit. And so that's what I believe God is, is doing with you. And, and this is honestly the word the Lord uh, dropped in my heart about, about you and about this church and about your ministry is the fruit is limitless. Limitless. Now, I don't, I'm not just saying that to get a, an amen or just to, as some rhetoric. I mean, that's what I really believe the Holy Spirit was saying. Now, we can, I don't know what all that means. Um, but the fruit is limitless. So as the Lord builds this structure and as he, as he keeps working in you, and I think there's something to staying tender before the Lord. Even as I was sitting there, I think the Lord was just sharing with me, you know, encourage everybody to stay flexible to the winds of my spirit. If a tree gets in a storm and it's not able to flex with the wind, the branches fall off, don't they? They break, they crack, they fall over. But, but what happens is a tree gets in a storm, and if it can move with the wind then it's going to be all right. So I just want to challenge us, encourage us today to be flexible with what the Holy Spirit might be doing and saying. You know, like all of us can get to a point. I'm not, I'm not at all saying this. I'm saying this to myself. We can all just be going through life and, and look around and go, oh, my goodness, what's God saying? You know, and so, but I sense that I'm in a place, in a room where people are in here and you're saying, God, I want to hear from you. And I really want my heart to be soft to you. And I sense that, that softness in you today. And so I'm just so, so incredibly uh, thankful to be here again. And again, I can't lead worship here without just crying. So, so half the time I wasn't singing is because I couldn't sing because I was crying. And so, um, but that just tells me that there's a sensitivity here. And I'm, I'm just so, so love you guys, Josh and Jess, and just love that I'm back in town near you guys. Um, for those of you that know me, um, and there's a lot of new faces here, but for those that know me, you, you may know that I lived on the east side of the state. Uh, in the Detroit area for the last nine years, but I just recently made a move back. A great church in town asked me to be on staff uh, with them, and so um, I'm excited. I called Josh right away, and I just said, because he and I had often had often joked, you know, and talked like, man, we got we to gotta be in ministry together again it's someday. Joke, it's not a joke, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so your Saturday morning prayer times are working because I'm closer. So... So, uh, so I called Josh right away and said, listen, another church in town uh, made me an offer, and, and I didn't expect anything less, you know. But I just wanted to be, honor that, honor our friendship, honor the fact that I minister in his church. And so I said, hey, man, what are you thinking? 
first thing out of his mouth, what a great opportunity. You need to jump at that. You need to, you need to take it. So I just appreciate his heart uh, for ministry for the local church and for what God's doing in the kingdom in West, in West Michigan. So, but we believe that we, my wife and I believe that we've been called an assignment um, for a period of time to, to, um, to serve the church at Central Wesleyan Church. And um, I'm going to talk to you guys more about that later, what we have going on tonight and how, how I believe you guys could, could really help us step forward and, and move forward into our destiny um, also. So we'll talk about that later, but let's pray. And then I want to just jump uh, quickly into the word uh, this morning. We've already prayed, but I just want to pray one more time. Father, I bless this congregation. I bless this ministry. I bless Pastor Josh and Jess. I bless Maddie, the worship leader here, and, and all the staff members, children's pastors, and, and admin folks. I thank you for uh, a dream that was planted in the group of people's hearts just a few years ago, and to see that materialized in active, amazing ministry um, is so awesome. And I, I just kind of the privilege to be here, and so thank you, Lord. I just pray you'd anoint this time that we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we live just about 60 seconds away from here, literally, so I live right down Central Avenue, just down the street, whichever way that is. Um, yeah, obviously, I just moved. I don't know where I am. So, uh, <laughs> So we, moved, we, we lived just a minute away, and, and uh, the other day, Kat and I were talking in the morning, and we have two, two wonderful children. We have a four-year-old uh, little girl and a, a, a three-year-old little boy, and we have one on the way. Um, so when you see my wife in next service, yes, you can congratulate her um, that she is pregnant. We have a, a little girl coming. And if you guys have ever been parents of three- and four-year-olds, you know that the house is usually not quiet. It's usually got some energy it's loud, it's wild, it's rambunctious. So um, usually Kat and I are trying to have conversations while, while all this noise is going on, and Kat and I were talking for a bit in our kitchen, and all of a sudden we stopped and realized it was dead quiet in the house. And we look at each other and we're like, where are the kids? And we call their names. Usually as soon as we call their name, yeah, what, yeah, um, we hear them right away. Uh, we call their names, Rayma, Eli, nothing. Cry a little bit louder. Rayma, Eli, nothing. So now I'm starting to get a little nervous. So I check the exterior doors. We live on a busy street, so I just make sure the exterior doors are shut. Everything's good. Everything's locked up. Okay, they're not outside. And so again, we just start walking to the house, calling Rayma, Eli. We're walking upstairs. Rayma, Eli, nothing, nothing. No, nowhere to be found. We go downstairs. Nowhere to be found. I'm starting to panic as a father. You know, I'm like, I'm just imagining all these things that could be happening. And, and I'm like, man, where are my children? I had just I just had finished a brand new playroom for them in our lower level, a, a, a room that was was not finished. I, I just finished it up, put new flooring in, drywall, trim, all that kind of stuff. And I walk in. I thought they'd be in there. They weren't in there. So then I walk into like our furnace room, you know, where you store everything and you just throw stuff, and it's crazy. So I walk in our furnace room, and there they're both sitting, like in the middle of all the boxes, just kind of hunkered down and look sheepishly looking at me. And I'm like, guys, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you answer when I called? And, and they point to the playroom and said, look. And they had spilled a bunch of milk all over the brand new playroom. And they said, the point is that we were, we were afraid to say anything because we spilled this milk. And, and I, I said, guys, you never, ever have to be ashamed or afraid if you do something wrong. You can always come to me. And so we just go out there, and, and immediately Elijah says, well, she did it. And then she goes, he did it. I didn't do it. And so they're blaming each other. And so I go out there and I just clean it. It doesn't matter who did it, guys. We're just going to clean it up. It's no big deal. It's fine. Okay? And immediately I'm brought to Genesis chapter 2 and 3. 
I mean, it's like I saw it played out right in front of me. You guys know the story. Adam and Eve had sinned. They had taken the fruit uh, that they weren't supposed to. And, and, they're, and then God comes into the garden, and they're like, where are you guys? And they're, 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 they're hiding. And, and God comes and says, why were you hiding? And, and Adam says, well, I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid. And, and, and he goes, well, who told you you were naked? And then the whole thing plays out. But I watched that happen with my children. And it just brought home to me that this is our tendency. So I want to encourage us today to not hide over spilled milk. So let's read this from Genesis chapter 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. You can go ahead to the next slide. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Go ahead and keep going. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Go ahead and go to the next slide. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you? not to eat from and the man said the woman you put me here with she gave me some fruit from the tree and i ate it but isn't this our tendency that when there's a problem in our life we make a mistake we do something wrong and we want to hide from god or or maybe it's we haven't made a mistake maybe we just have an overall sense that there's something wrong with us we're not okay and so I've got to hide from God. I cannot, I can't quite come near to him. Or, or maybe there's a sense that like God is so big and so holy, so he can't possibly uh, care about all these little things that are going on in my life. And so in a sense, we hide. We just sh- try to show God our best side. And I want to encourage us today that God knows all of our sides and he still very much loves us. But what is, the, what is the phrase that Adam said? I was afraid, so I hid. I mean, fear can, can rule in the human race. And we hide in many, many different ways. We hide behind a smile on Sunday morning, don't we? I'm doing great. How you doing, man? We can bury ourselves in work. So this is, reminds me of the man or the woman who excels at, at work but comes home and cannot handle his or her family. They, they do so well at work, but they come home and it's a mess. You can hide yourself in work. We can bury ourselves in pleasure. Another movie, another uh, a binge watch on Netflix, uh, you know, plan another vacation. We can try to lose ourselves in pleasure. It's a form of hiding. We, we don't want to deal with the stuff that we, we have to deal with. Or, or it can even go as far as destructive habits. We can try to medicate and self-medicate and, and invite destructive habits in our lives. And here's one that's a big one for myself. Uh, we can sometimes even hide ourselves inside of ministry. We can sometimes hide even in ministry. I'll just, I'll just um, serve you, Lord. It's all good, but, but when it comes to intimacy with you and closeness with you, I'm just going to keep you a little bit at arm's length. Come on, I'm serving you, God. I'm serving you. I'm, it's all good. I'm here at church. I'm, I'm preaching the word. I'm leading worship. I'm playing on the worship team. I'm opening the door. I'm doing greetings. I'm doing Kids Hope USA. I'm doing these things, but I'm going to keep you at arm's length. But all the while, God's still asking, where are you? And, and he's not asking like uh, an angry father who's ready to punish. He's actually asking like a concerned father who wants to know where you're at. 
I wasn't mad at my children when I was looking for them. I was extremely concerned. I, I was worried that they were in danger. I was worried that they had hurt themselves. I was worried a million different things go through your mind as a father. But I wasn't asking, where are you out of anger? I was asking as a concerned father. And here's just a few examples in Scripture of a God who pursues people even while they're hiding. I was pursuing my children even while they were hiding. And here's an example, just a few examples Jacob, remember Jacob? Jacob and Esau, the brother of Esau, he was the second born. He wasn't supposed to get the birthright, but he deceived his father. He got the birthright. He was a liar, and he was a thief. Still, while he's running away from his brother, knowing he's in the wrong, he, has, he lays down at night and has a dream, and God reveals himself to Jacob, opens up the heavens above him. There's another one, Samson, dealing with sexual addiction and drunkenness. Samson is in all of this garbage and bondage, and still God remembers him at the end. Rahab, God remembers a prostitute, Rahab. Now, I'm not making light of sin. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that sin is just spilled milk. I'm not trying to make light because sin can just destroy our lives. It can, it can rip our families apart. It can break relationships. It can shut down ministries. It can close churches. It can split and divide the, the work of God in us. I'm not making light of it. But what I am going to say is that God has a way of dealing with sin and our inadequacies. So maybe there's no sin in our lives. Maybe we've overcome some of these larger sins that that we deal with, but we still feel inadequate, and God is still saying, come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. I want to read from Romans chapter 8, and we're going to read verses 19 through 21. Let's read that together. It just says, For creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. In hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So there's something even in creation that is longing for the children of God to come out of hiding. Even creation around us is calling us, come out of hiding, be who you are as a child of God. And freedom, freedom is the inheritance of God's children. So in other words, as God's children come out of hiding, as, we're, as we don't stay in shame and shameful activities and, and we don't stay in uh, feelings of inadequacy, an, an and, and if we come into intimacy with the Father and we come into light, what's going to happen is that freedom will not only break forth in our own life, but it will break forth all around us. So even creation is saying, children of God, come out of hiding. God is saying, where are you? Come out of hiding. Even creation itself is saying, come out of hiding, because when you come out of hiding, creation gets remade. How do we reconcile this, though? How do we reconcile being called children of God that have freedom if we look at our own lives and we, and we see chains? How do we recognize that? How do we come out of hiding? I'm just going to quickly list a few ways. Number one being the most important, simply by receiving the Son, Jesus. The very first thing that we must do is receive the son. And I don't believe this is a one-time thing. Now, I do believe that when you believe in Jesus Christ for the very first time as Lord and Savior, you are saved. 
You are born again. You, you have moved from death into life, and nothing can pluck you out of his hands. You are secure in your salvation. But I will also say this, as we walk through life and as we walk through wanting and desiring to be obedient children, we have to consistently receive the Son again. The first song we sang, I Still Believe. Uh, one of the reasons I wrote that song is because I wanted the church to just declare, we believe you're the Son of God. Because that is the foundational thing that causes us to come into the kingdom simply by believing that Jesus is who he said he was as the Son of God. So we receive the Son, and when we receive the Son, we receive his righteousness. I'm going to give you a big theological word, but I want to explain it. This is the doctrine of imputed righteousness. And the reason I want to teach you this is going to help us. The doctrine of imputed righteousness basically says that Jesus' righteousness becomes our righteousness. It, it says that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he was perfectly obedient to the Father, and that is the Father's standard for his son. He wants his son to be perfectly obedient. He knew that we couldn't do it in our fallen nature, so he sends Jesus. Jesus was perfectly obedient and then says, hey, whoever will believe in me and receive me, I will extend that righteousness to them. So we actually look just like Jesus to the Father. He loves us the same way. He receives us the same way. We're welcomed in his presence the same way that Jesus is welcomed in. And as we're, walk, as we're working out our obedience, because how many, guys, how many of you guys know we all stumble? I stumble in my obedience sometimes. But while I'm working that out, I get to grab a hold of the obedient son's obedience. That means his righteousness is mine. And I just want to give you a scripture reference there. It's just John. You can just write it down. I'm not going to read it, but a, just a scripture reference for those that are taking notes if you want to look at it later. John 6, verse 37. And then number two, we reconcile this. We come out of hiding by embracing the ministry of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is here to convince us that we are his children. And he does that in many ways. He does that through the witness of his Spirit and his presence in our lives. He also does it by convicting us of sin, and he does it by leading us to Christ. So we embrace the ministry of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is in this ministry. The Spirit of God is in us, and when we come together, I sense the presence of God. The Spirit of God is here, and we embrace that. And the more you do these Saturday morning prayer times at 9 a.m., the more you're going to be aware of what the Spirit of God's doing. That's why we pray. We actually don't pray so that we can become more holy or become righteous because Jesus has already done that. But we do pray so that we become aware of what God is doing so that we can grab a hold of those things. Just like we worship not to get God to come because he's already here, but we worship so that our awareness of him will heighten and then we, faith rises in us as we hear the word. We can be changed. We can go out and change the world. So we embrace the ministry of the Spirit, and the, um, the reference there is Romans 8.26. Number three, extremely important, we come out of hiding by leaning into community. We cannot do this alone, guys. We cannot walk this life alone. We all need to have community. Who's your 3 a.m. friend? Who's the guy or the girl that you can call at 3 a.m. and say, I am under attack? If you don't have that person in your mind right now, I would encourage you to find that person. Pray that person in. We have to have community. We, uh, the reference there is James 5, verse 16, confess your sins one to another. Got to have that community. 
And then fourthly, we worship. We come out of, we actually can come out of hiding by worshiping. Uh, the reference there, and I want to read it, it's just, just a portion of this verse, uh, 2 Kings 17, 15, talking about idol worshipers in the Old Testament. It says this, they followed worth, worthless idols and they themselves became worthless. Other translations say they worshiped worthless idols and they themselves became worshipped. One of the reasons why God desires us to worship him is because he knows that we become like that that we worship. So whoever we're, whatever we're gazing at, that's the direction of our lives. So if we're gazing at God in worship, we're going to become like him. And we are going to walk in that truth and that reality. And then we come out of hiding, guys, by helping other people also come out of hiding. So we're there for our friends. We're there for those around us. And, and a, another way that we can do that, listen, I am passionate about children living in, in poverty. And if you've heard me before, I always um, give you the opportunity to sponsor a child through Compassion International. Do you know that poverty causes extreme hiding? Do you know that children who are living in poverty, they, they don't feel like they have any worth. They are living hand to mouth. They are not being educated. They're not being taught that they have worth and value. Many of them don't even know who Jesus is. And for, for $38 a month, you and I can sponsor a child in the third world and get them into a place that is safe, that they are being taught that they have worth and that they have value. And for 38 bucks a month, I, my wife and I sponsor three. I will tell you something. We don't miss that money. God has just blessed us in a way that as soon as we, I'm not saying it's directly related to this, it's related to this and tithing and being faithful when God tells us to do certain things with our money. But I can tell you that when, when a person takes care of the poor, God takes care of you. It is a principle in scripture. He who lends to the poor gives to the Lord and the Lord will repay him for what he has done. That's what Proverbs says. But listen, I want to just wrap up today with this idea Sometimes, guys, just like my kids spilled milk on my brand new floor that I had worked so hard to, to make for them, this playroom, sometimes we just spill mi milk on the new thing that God's doing in our lives, and it can cause extreme discouragement. Sometimes we see real forward movement in our lives, and you know what? We made a mistake. And it, it, it could be a sinful mistake, or it may just be another kind of mistake, a relational mistake. Whatever it is, listen, God is there to wipe it up, and to make it new again. And going all the way back to Genesis, going all the way back to Genesis, God shows up in the garden. Adam and Eve are afraid, so they hid. He calls them out and deals with them, but he makes a promise. He tells Eve, one day, there's going to come someone. Your seed will crush the serpent's head. And this is the promise we have, that Jesus Christ working in us will crush in us the serpent's head so that the serpent, the devil, the accuser has no inroads in our life. That is what God desires for us. Jesus said, the enemy has no, nothing in me. The evil one has nothing in me. He has no hooks in me. That's what he desires for us. And the promise is that he will crush the serpent's head.